we're going to talk about is a God relationship, God relationship, top-down relationship, and a proper viewpoint, and seeing what happens when we're fragmented by trauma, causing fear and rejection, which splits its MK Ultra basically at its most demonic form. So it trauma of fear and rejection causes a splitting of a personality, creating a shadow personality or two sides of a shadow personality, fear and rejection. And what does what they do is they overshadow the real self in there. Even a Christian who has found the Lord confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and exercise their faith in believing in Jesus Christ died for their sins, these shadow personalities on occasion often will overshadow that real person's thoughts so that that person feels those are their thoughts that is coming from them. And there'll be thoughts of doubt um, of God's word, trying to steal that seed. There will be thoughts of blasphemy, which is the other side of the coin of proving God, testing God about things. And I'm not talking about proving God his faithfulness or or um, proving God that his word is true. We're talking about proving God like your word says angels will keep me from stumbling my foot. So I'm going to jump off the uh, second store story window. That kind of thing. Matthew 4 stuff that was done to Jesus. So what I see here is a a trauma of a childhood trauma normally in a young child when you're in your formative years. It happened to me. Uh, I don't know what happened, when it happened, but fear and shyness and um, timidity uh, rejection had come in at an early, early age. And these things then become part of your personality, even though they're not you, but they're indistinguishable because they overshadow. So that's what we're going to talk about here and uh, how Romans, the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, addresses this. So we're going to go to chapter 4, start at verse 23. Prior to this, Paul is writing about Abraham and the faith of Abraham and how Abraham was considered right standing with God because he believed and in the hope, the hope that was told him and he hung on to that, even though everything around him said it was impossible. He was 100 years old. There was no way his wife was old. There was no way she was going to get uh, pregnant. They were way past their prime on that. And uh, basically, it was impossible. Humanly impossible. Naturally impossible for her to get pregnant and him to become uh, the father of many nations. But the, the word says, and Paul writes, that he believed it. He believed the word of God, period. And he held that hope. He held that hope. The Greek word for hope is an expectation. 
Okay, you could have an expectation of evil or a fear an ex- or an expectation of good, hope, a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. That's the thing hope for, the things that are not seen but hope for. <coughs> so Abraham had this hope that he might become the father of many nations, even though what he saw around him was impossible. And when God, when God experienced Abraham's faith, it was imputed to him as righteousness, right standing, right? It says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. See, there was no unbelief. So it, it appears that if Abraham did have a split in the personality that was overshadowing, it certainly didn't overshadow it. It certainly didn't. Uh, he was able to overcome that if that if that you know if he, if he had that. But I know that we do. Many of us do have that split. But Abraham didn't stagger not at the promise through unbelief. And he was strong in his faith. And that is what gave glory to God. So that's that's where we're at. That's it's it's giving glory to God. So we could be a Christian, right? We we're saved. We've we we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We appropriate that. Okay, so we could have all of that and still have in us those voices that throw doubt in, that throw confusion in, doubt in God's word, doubt in God's promise, doubt in the relationship, the top-down relationship that God has for you, that kind of doubt, that kind of doubt that says God loves Paul more than me. God shows Paul all this stuff, but he doesn't show me. Um, God um, has forgiven all these people and all this stuff, but not me. It's, it's, um, it's a dysfunctional shadow thinking that was created through fear and rejection that causes one to think God's promises are less for them than they are for other Christians. That makes sense. God's promises are less for them than for other Christians. That stems out of fear and rejection. Two sides of that same coin. Dread comes up. I'm dreading. I feel a dread. I feel I feel fear of God. I'm terrified of God. Dread comes up. Well, that's that shadow. It's shadowing the real self. And that real self has been subdued so much by these overshadowing entities is what they are, their personalities. That's why they've ingrained in there. That that real self has become passive in thinking. Passive in the sense that these shadow thoughts come over, the passive mind just accepts them. I don't know why God hates me so much. I don't know why God doesn't do these things for me like he does Brother Kapow. I don't know why I don't get this. Blah blah blah. Why is this happening? Um, and it's this victimization. It's this um, very passive mind. And God wants our mind to be focused. 
It's 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 the opposite of an unfocused mind and a focused mind, right? But like in James says, an uh, unstable mind, a double-minded person, you have two minds in you, they're unstable in everything. They're like a ship on the on the waves. See, unstable. See, now, so you look at the example of Abraham, there was stability there. No matter what, what was going on around him, what the facts said, he believed in God. Believed in God. And what happens to us is we have that in front of us, but it's hard because of, of, of the quote-unquote reality around us saying something different. It's probably what happened to Peter. As Peter's walking on the on the the lake or ocean to get to, to Jesus, because Peter says, Hey, bid me to come and I'll come. You know, he says, Come on. Jesus didn't first make it placid for him. It was still tumultuous. And Peter was okay until he until he started looking around. That reality, which is a false reality, but it's our reality because we live down here, then caused that doubt and he began to sink so that's why jesus said why did you doubt why, why did you doubt so it's that shadow thing we have to get rid of so we're going to drill down to that specific <coughs> um shadow lie that stems from fear and rejection so in verse 22, with Abraham, it says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness or right standing with God. It was character or equity um, to God. It was the condition that's acceptable to God, okay? It was imputed to, to him for acceptability to God. It's a, rela it's a relationship now. It's a relationship now. And this is why God is on our side. This is why God is on your side. Because God wants that relationship. He loves you. And he wants that relationship. But he sees that this MK Ultra mind control caused by trauma overshadows and makes that relationship grainy at times so this is what he's getting rid of this is what he's picking at this is a deep root pulling out of this so that the relationship could then just open up and we're going to see this here so in verse 23 paul writes about abraham now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him that right standing or acceptability to God was imputed to him. It wasn't written just for him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Paul just makes a futuristic, bold statement of a fact that says right standing or acceptability in God's sight of us, of our character, will be imputed to us if and when we believe, that's faith, on God that raised up our Messiah from the dead. 
It's that simple. For God so loved the world that whosoever have faith on that, believe on that, should live and wouldn't perish. Right? He makes it very simple. But we can't stop there at the simplicity because later on, I want to get to this, we're going to see that there are there is a process to get to this end result. He's stating it in chapter 4, the end result, but then he's going to talk about the process to get to the end result. And I think this is where we make our mistake is we stop here and we never see the process. The process of faith. Faith, once again, let's get the definition down. It's not just, oh, I believe it, but it's a, it's a commitment to trust. It's a commitment to trust. It is to think. It is to think of something to be true, to know it to be true, to be persuaded of it, to place confidence in that fact of the thing believed in. It's a confidence of the thing believed in. All right? You're committed to that thing and persuaded in that thing and have confidence that it's true. I think we know what faith is. Faith is more, is more than just, oh, I, I think that's cool. No, I, I believe the sun shines. It's, it's your commit. You know. You know that you know. That's what faith is, and it's not based on our false reality around us. Though the seas and the waves and the billows roar, that's our reality because we live on this probationary proving ground of the earth. That's really not reality. The reality is, is God's reality, which is an, an eternal reality. So faith taps into that eternal mind that no matter what's going on, I believe this to be true because it's the rima or the the bar the 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 word of god it's said it's spoken it's done i plan to drink this coffee i am drinking this coffee i drank this coffee in god's mind the eternal mind i drank the coffee is the same as i plan on drinking the coffee he already knows because there's no time limit with him there's no linear events with god that's what we have to tap into with faith. You believe that. So, it, Paul puts out this simple statement. Right standing to God or God's approval is imputed to you if you just believe on, on God that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, right? That should be pretty simple. Verse 25 says about <clears throat> Christ who was delivered for our offenses. That's our sins. He was delivered. He was killed and crucified. His blood was shed for our offenses, our misdeeds, our deviation from truth. All right? And was raised again. Now, this is important for our justification. So we're going to get a, a definition of justification that we're going to use from here on out. And it's key to unlocking the rest of what Paul's about to write. So it sounds good so far. It sounds like, hey, we can get right standing if we just 
exercise our faith that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead who was delivered unto death because of our sins and his blood wiped that away and he was raised again for our justification. So the word for justification in Greek, dikaiosis, means acquittal. It means acquittal. I think in our Western mind, it's far better to grasp that word of acquittal than it does justification. The act of God, God as the ultimate judge, declaring you free from guilt and acceptable to him. Once again, the act of God acquitting you from all offenses. That's important to get that in your head. The definition of faith and the definition of justification. It's an acquittal. So from now on, we're going to read it as acquittal. Just like if you went to a human judge because you ran a bunch of red lights and got a ticket and you threw yourself on the mercy of the court and someone came and said, you know what, I'm going to pay the fine for this person. I'm going to pay her tickets. And the judge says, boom, I accept that payment and now you have right standing with me, boom, the gavel goes down, you're acquitted. It's like that. It's just like that. It's exactly like that. Okay? So, now we're all happy because just like Abraham, we're acquitted because we have faith in Christ, right? We're all happy. But there's a process, and this is the process. In chapter 5, verse 1, Paul begins and says, therefore, why is, th why is it therefore? Why, why is there a therefore? Then, according to these things, therefore, right? What he's saying is that Christ died, was delivered for our sins, and he was raised up for our acquittal. Because of that, therefore, being acquitted by faith, pause, because there's a comma there. I'm going to get to that. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound great if we stop right there? Let me read that again. He says, therefore being justified or acquitted. Therefore being acquitted by faith, comma, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But let me show you something here. The comma is added, right? That's not in Greek. The grammar's not in Greek. When you read it the way it's written here in the King James, here's what it sounds like. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've read it over and over again, but let me tell you something right now. Faith doesn't acquit us. Faith doesn't justify us. We're not justified by faith, folks. I know. 
Faith, you know who justified us, who acquitted us? Jesus Christ that was raised again for our acquittal. We're justified not by faith, but by Christ. Our faith is the thing that unlocks the justification. The faith, the commitment to believe what God has done through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that faith is the key to your acquittal. You can't access the acquittal without the faith. Faith does not acquit you. Jesus acquits you. So here's how, here's how to read this. Instead of putting the comma behind faith, therefore being justified by faith, place the comma behind justified or acquitted and then read it. Therefore being acquitted, comma or period. Therefore being acquitted, period. By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See the difference? Therefore you're acquitted. Period. End of story. That's a fact that cannot be negated whether you believe that or not. If your next door neighbor who's an atheist says, I do not have faith in this Jesus that he died and was right, rose from the dead for any... I don't believe that. That does not negate the fact that it's true. It doesn't negate one bit that it's true. That Jesus Christ was delivered for her sins and was raised again for her acquittal. But without faith in that, she can't activate that acquittal. She can't activate it. So therefore being acquitted, period, by faith, by belief, the commitment in that fact that that happened, that's why we have peace with God and it's through our Lord, Jesus, our Messiah. That's a difference. It's a difference. It is a difference, but that's the way it is. That is the true doctrine. The comma should go after justified or acquitted because it isn't faith that acquits us but Jesus that does it. It is by faith that we steadfastly hold on to that fact in relationship to God the Father. It's all about top-down relationship. It's all about his relationship with us. It's top-down relationship. We get to the Father through Christ by believing in the work that the Father did by Christ. Does that make sense? Amen. It makes sense. And so far, so good, right? So far, it sounds good because we're going, hey, 
by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But you're saying, right now, I'm not having a lot of peace. Right now, I, I, I've been acquitted. I, I, have, I have faith. I know that I, I've been acquitted, but I don't have peace. The, well, here's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process. Paul right here is giving a, the end result. He drank his coffee here. But we're in, 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 in two verses, we're going to see that he goes back to, I'm, drink, I'm going to drink the coffee. There's a process to get to here to have the peace with God or the peace of God. Here's a fact. Verse 1 in chapter 5, therefore being acquitted, period. Therefore being acquitted, period. Here's a fact. Jesus has acquitted everyone. That's a fact. That's a fact. His death on the cross paid the price for your traffic tickets, for your sins, for your offenses. He paid it for everyone. His resurrection acquitted everyone. That's a fact. Fact number two, two, strong conviction, a trust, a belief, or what we call faith in that above fact is what unlocks the God relationship. That's why all who call on him are saved. It's a fact. It has to be unlocked through faith. No person can please God without faith. You see why? Because that's what it takes to unlock what he did for you through Jesus the Messiah. Fact number three, just because someone does not believe in Messiah's acquittal does not negate the fact that the acquittal exists. <clears throat> just because someone does not believe in Messiah's acquittal does not negate the fact that the acquittal exists. All that means is they can't appropriate it. They're going to have to pay the price themselves and experience the wrath of the judge. The judge is going to lay down the gavel and sentence them. He's going to sentence them in wrath because they didn't appropriate the acquittal. They didn't exercise faith to appropriate. That's what that means. Fact four. Faith does not acquit you. Faith doesn't acquit you. The Messiah does. Faith unlocks and gives access to that acquittal. So we get that in our head. We can start understanding the shadows and how they attack our real selves, impersonating us, created by split personality, by trauma of rejection and fear, and how... They never attack, oh, God doesn't exist, because you know he does. Oh, Jesus Christ didn't die for your, 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 your sins, because you know he did, because you've exercised faith, that's why you're a Christian. But they still exist in you, and how they attack it is 
top-down relationship. I'm not good enough. God must not like me. I'm being punished. I did something wrong. Pray for me that he renews a, a right spirit in me. I'm not good. I don't have... See, so now he starts attacking the key that unlocks the acquittal. The acquittal's a fact. You've just been acquitted. There's nothing you can do to acquit yourself. It's the judge acquits you because someone paid your price. Period. That's a fact. The judge didn't acquit you because he likes you. The judge didn't acquit you because you brought him cookies or that you did ritual or you you did penance and self-flagellation. None of that matters. He only acquitted you because someone paid the price. And when you appropriate that acquittal and say, I believe that, then you're acquitted, period. So the shadow people, the demonic entities that have overshadowed your personality, your real self, this is the area they're going to attack. And it's called doubt, unbelief, which destroys your faith. And, and it's called blasphemy. That's just two sides of a coin, blasphemy and proving God. You don't have to prove God for this, do you? You don't have to prove God. You don't have to prove this fact. Jesus said it is a, a wicked and adulterous generation who seeks a sign. They were always seeking proof. They were trying to prove. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Satan says, if, if you're the son of God, right? And like Ms. Kapow said, earlier God had declared that he was the son of God and who I'm well pleased hear ye him when the spirit descended upon him on baptism so Satan comes along and tries to take that declaration that Rima that Debar of God and then adulterate it with if you are the son of God then cast yourself down from the uh, high pinnacle of the temple and is the word says the angels will give charge of you, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and Jesus says, it also says, prove not the Lord thy God. Do not test the Lord thy God. You don't need to test it because his word is true. I'm going to drink coffee. I'm drinking coffee. I drank coffee. In God's eternal mind in God's economy in eternity I drank coffee is the same as I'm gonna drink coffee because he's already been there there's no linear so when he says something by faith you believe it because it's done so Satan's attack on Christ is the same attack he does on us through these disjointed fragmented souls that we have because of childhood trauma. That's how he gets in. And then we think it's part of our, that's just the way we think, or we're just weak, you know, right? And it makes us, our mind, it gives us double-mindedness. Because one day we're strong in the Lord and we believe that Jesus Christ saved us and we're acquitted and we're praising God. And then the next day 
we could be defeated because these demons are just attacking us and we're going through all these problems because it has stole your acquittal. Because you can only appropriate the acquittal through faith, through belief in that. So it attacks the key to the, it can't attack the acquittal. It can't attack the person that paid for your sentence. And it can't attack the judge. But it can attack your ability to go before the courtroom and appropriate the acquittal. Because that has everything to do with you. And it has, God's already done, God's already done the part. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Say, he's done his part. The Messiah has done his part. He was delivered for your offense. He was resurrected for your acquittal. Guess what part is left? Your part. It's your relationship to God to appropriate his relationship to you. So that's where the split personalities attack is in the faith realm. We just don't recognize it as such. But it's that's where they're attacking. So the more they attack and the more they can get you sidetracked on the waves, the more unbelief comes in. Then they could bring all their other stuff. Blasphemy. I'm sure that when you hear blasphemy things in your head, when you hear, when you're trying to read the, the word or you're trying to listen to a sermon and those blasphemy thoughts come into your head and they're saying nasty blasphemy things about God. I'm sure that you think how could I possibly be a Christian? How could I possibly have the Holy Spirit in me and still think this thought? <clears throat> Anybody, maybe somebody doesn't have the blasphemy thoughts. Maybe they have pornography thoughts, filthy thoughts, violent thoughts, angry thoughts. It don't matter because the end result is how can I possibly be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a Christian with these thoughts. Those thoughts are like waves of the ocean when Peter was walking. They don't matter. Those are shadow people. Those are demonic thoughts overshadowing your weak self because they've been doing it since you were a little kid. The only fact during that period of blasphemy that's just just ugh. the only fact that matters is that you're acquitted and you believe that regardless of what the voices are saying you're acquitted period so the next step the next step is to will over the shadow people over the the fragmented soul over the demonic voices that are telling you otherwise to try to destroy your faith, your key. They're trying to take away the key to the kingdom. <clears throat> and the more you overcome it, and the more you focus on the key to the kingdom, because you're already acquitted, you don't have to focus on your acquittal. 
You don't have to focus on what God's going to do for you. He's already done it. You don't have to focus on Messiah's work. He's already done it. You just have to focus on keeping the key that unlocks the acquittal. That's what's trying to be removed. <clears throat> and they're doing it through lies of fragmented soulish nature that came through fear and rejection. Fear. I fear God doesn't love me as much as so-and-so. I fear I've crossed the line with God <clears throat> and now I'm appointed to wrath. But that's not his word. That's not his debar. That goes against faith. <clears throat> not only are you not appointed to wrath, you've been acquitted already. How could you go to wrath if you're acquitted? That's a fact. Once you believe that fact and you hold steadfast, you're not wavering. That's the key. It unlocks eternal life. That's 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 it. There's no other. You hold on. You fight. You contend for your salvation. You press forward. You wrestle so that you're steadfast in the faith because the end result is to have this peace, right? A state of tranquility where, there, where there, you're exempt from the rage and havoc of demonic war. There's peace and harmony between you and God through Jesus Christ the Messiah because you're acquitted already, but that's the end result. That's the end result. So let's look at the process to get there. In verse two, it says, by whom also we have access by faith. Right there, Paul just said everything that took me an hour to say. <clears throat> Paul just said it right there in one sentence. He's talking about Messiah. And he says, by whom also we have access to by faith into this grace. It's a free gift. It's a benefit. It's favor. It's delight and sweetness, loving kindness. We have access by faith. We have to believe it. That's our key that unlocks our acquittal. And it gives us grace wherein we stand. That's our standing. That's our place before the judge. And guess what? And rejoice. But the Greek word means glory, to boast, to glory, whether with reason or without, but you, you're glorying on account of things. Glory is a really subdued term to use here. It's not strong enough. Boast. You stand at the courtroom looking at the judge, but not being in terror because you have grace, because you've accessed the acquittal through faith, and you boast in hope, the expectation of the glory or the dignity, the praise and honor of God. 
It's top-down relationship. God says, well done, my good and faithful warrior. You contended for the faith. You fought, not like you're just shadow boxing, but you fought for your life. You worked out your own salvation and got rid of the molesting demon shadow people who wish to molest you and constantly lie to you because your faith became steadfast, unwavering, wasn't passive mind. It was an active mind meditating on your acquittal. It was a mind focused, not unfocused by the waves going on around you. By whom, Father God, by whom also we have access by that faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand before this judge and we boast in our expectation of him approving us. Wow. That's the key. Now, verse 3, if we were to stop right here in verse 2, we'd say, wow, that's it. End of Sunday school, let's go home. You know, we're, we're good to go. We've exercised our faith. We believe in the acquittal. We believe what Christ has done for us. Well, we're thanking God for sending um, his only begotten son, Messiah, to do this. Uh, we're good to go. We're standing at the throne with boldness. He's accepting us. We've got right standing just like Abraham. You know, let's go to lunch. But we need to read on because this is the end result. And here's the process to get there. In verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and boldly rejoice in the expectation of the glory of God. Verse 3, now check this out. And not only this, Paul says that not only so, right? Not only all this I just said, but guess what else we glory in? Guess what else we boasted? Guess what else we're rejoicing in? tribulations <laughs> well where did that come from paul well, you're talking about grace and joy and you're talking about faith and grace hope and now you're saying i'm supposed to glory on account of a thing i'm supposed to boast about going through tribulations and here's why. He says also this, knowing, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We're going to break all this down. And patience experience. There's a better word here. And experience hope. And all that put together makes you not ashamed. Okay, and then there's other good things that happen. But let's break it down. So if you're going through tribulation, if you're fighting the shadow people on a daily basis and you're fighting those thoughts in your head of blasphemy and you're fighting those thoughts in your head of proving God, you know, the time that you were in the, in the closet and you were praying 
to God to take the, this, these demons away from you. And they were just kicking your butt. And you said, God, if you love me, if you love me, send my husband in. And then I'll know you love me. And then your husband never comes in. That was a proving of God through an external source. If you love me, you'll do this and this and this. Whereas he's saying, I love you already. I said, Messiah, your offenses are acquitted. There's no need to prove me. You just, you have to believe that. But it's those shadow people that are hindering our relationship. I want you to know exactly who I am to you and what you are to me. But those lies that are requiring, requiring a proving or requiring a, a work on your part to earn it, like I'm not good enough, I need to do this, maybe I sinned here, maybe this, those are all hindrances to the relationship. Just like a husband and wife. If the wife was, hey, where's my, where's my wife? I don't know where she's at. Well, she's on top of the roof of the house. And she's like, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump. And I, I run out there and you jump off and I catch the wife. And she goes, now I know you love me because you came to my aid. And then the next day, she gets a knife and cuts her wrist. You rush her to the hospital. They stitch her up. I know you love me because you took me Right? How long is that relationship going to last? It's a psychotic relationship. This wife is always trying to prove her husband's love to her. Always. And it's the opposite side of the coin. Why she's trying to prove that he loves her, the opposite side of the coin is because she feels he's rejected her. I'm not good enough for him. He loves other women more than me. I, he's, he thinks I'm stupid. Therefore, I'm going to prove his love for me, right? There are real relationships like that in the real world. They're psychotic, demonic relationships. Can you see that with God? Can you, can you see that? That is what he's working out. That is what he's going, no. I want right relationship, top-down relationship with you, and I want your worship. And it has to be clean, and it's simple. Here's the fact. I provided a way for you to be acquitted. And that way, paid your price. Period. You open that acquittal up by faith, no matter what Anything else is telling you about your worth or about what I think of you is simply not true. And it's the exercise of faith that unlocks truth in God. That's how the truth sets you free. The waves don't matter. The demons may not go away right away. They may last a while. They're probably going to last until this right relationship is restored, to be honest with you. Because God is not giving you 
tribulations just because. There's a process to get. There's a process to get to verse 1 and 2. So, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. It doesn't end at verse 1 and 2 with peace and grace, but shows a process to obtain those things. Here's the, here's the deal. The process is activated. What activates the promise? What activates the process to get to verse 1 and 2? This is the state we want to be in, verse 1 and 2, right? Where we exercise faith and access our acquittal and we're living in peace with god right and not only peace but grace and hope and having full boldness that he goes i approve of you that's where we want to be how do you get there he's done his part he's already done it he, he what else does he he's already done it now we have to do our part our part and we have to get rid of those lying shadow fragmented soulish things and we only could do that by suppressing them and destroying them with truth you faith is you know that you know that you know that you know that you know not because you've seen around you but because it's the word of god it's his debar and it's rima it just is i'm gonna drink coffee i'm drinking coffee i've drank coffee the process is activated. How the process you get there? It's activated by trials or testing. Paul is telling us right here, you don't get there without being tested. So if you're a Christian, any Christian that's not going through tribulations and trials and testing, then they're not going through this process so they can boldly walk to the throne of God and go, I've been acquitted. It's you have to do it. We all have to do it all the time. The process is activated by trials or testing and proving what does it prove? Our unwavering, stable, and solid conviction of that faith in the acquittal. It's that simple. It's that simple. The trials are here <clears throat> to test our faith. It's really to test our faith. Our faith has to be unwavering. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God can't deal in relationship with an unstable person. He can't, he can't deal with a person that has to prove them all the time or they have to be coddled all the time because they don't understand his love for them. Right? The testing proves our unwavering, stable, and solid, solid conviction of what? That our acquittal has occurred and we're accessing it. Period. An unstable or wavering mind is like a ship tossed in the waves of the sea. Without solid faith, you cannot please God and you won't have peace. You'll, you'll never have peace. It is vital. This is, this is why this teaching is so vital. It's vital that our faith be tested and proved. It is going to be tested and proved. 
Paul didn't write this just because, well, I'm going to just throw another sentence in. He knew this because he go he went went through it all the time. Everybody who's who came and exercised their faith for acquittal, their faith was then worked on and tested and proved to be solid. We here's the deal. It's vital that our faith be tested and proved. Here's why it's vital, and I'm going to prove this to you. Because when we go through that testing and we pass it and our faith is unwavering in the fact of our acquittal and we're no longer proving God to show his love to us and we're no longer demeaning ourselves because we're not worthy of his love. See, both, both go against his debar and rima. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. It's done. So to do anything else, to expect him to do anything else, or for you to have to do something else, is not faith. Once our faith is tested and proved, and it's solid, check this out. You get certified. <laughs> you get a certification. And that certification in that we are guaranteed to stay solid in our faith. Can you believe that? No, I'm telling you the truth. Go through the training. Go through the training and you're going to get not only, you know, your reward, you're going to get a you're going to get certified that you're solid. And that certification is what God looks on and says he's guaranteed to be solid. I can have relationship with you now real relationship he's not giving you trials and tribulations because he's mad at you he's giving it's just the opposite he's giving you trials and tribulations so you can firm up that faith and that work that he's already done because blessed are they who believe but have not seen you haven't seen anything but yet you believe it blessed are they now, Paul says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience. What is that? That means endurance. So, here's the process. It's activated by trials and tribulations. You want to know what a tribulation is? <clears throat> a tribulation is an an affliction it's a trouble it's an anguish it's a persecution persecuted by demons persecuted by your shadow personalities your fragmented shadow personalities that are fear and rejection they're burdening you they're persecuting you they're pressuring you and causing trouble they're oppressing you putting you in straits and you're rebuking them. Go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. Why won't they go away? Because it is the process that's being used to solidify your faith that the acquittal is already done. You don't have to prove God to do it, and you don't have to prove yourself for it. 
tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 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 Let's look at that word. It means endurance or a constancy. And it's cheerful or hopeful. It enduring. It's patient continuance. You get it. It's a steadfastness. It's constant. It doesn't waver. It's a characteristic of a person who is not swerved in his loyalty to faith. Not swerved by his loyalty to faith. I believe it because God said it. I believe it. That's it. That's it. Endurance, our faith in the acquittal for us. Messiah's acquittal for us as a solid fact is of paramount importance. This is, this is why this particular teaching drills down to the deepest levels of soul defragmentation. Whatever your soul was fragmented with for the trauma of a childhood, that created those shadow liars in you that impersonate the real you. That's who we're cutting asunder right now in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. We're going to cut them asunder with the truth. And we're going to solidify our faith in the fact that we are acquitted. And there's no more to that. No matter what they say or the waves around us. It was imputed to Abraham as right standing before God because he didn't waver even though he was about dead and his wife was about dead that God had promised he would produce a seed. And not just one seed, but many. This is, this is number one. This is the number one in the process. Number one. Number one in the God relationship process brought on through testing. Okay? That is called patience or endurance. When you, when you go through the God relationship testing, tribulation, to solidify your faith, to solidify that relationship with the judge and father, number one is called endurance. A constant, steadfast endurance. Paul says that the trials work if endurance. In other words, they perform and accomplish, they achieve the result of endurance. That's why you have to go through it. The second one is patience. It produces patience. In tribulation, I'm sorry, yeah, tribulation worketh patience, endurance, the constancy. And guess what else it does? In the King James, it says experience. But lo, let me tell you the word here. This is going to blow your mind. Dokami in Greek, it means to test abstractly or concretely by implication, trustiness. It's an experience or experiment. In other words, it's a proof, a trial. It is a proof of experience. 
It's a proving trial. In other words, it is a certificate that says you are approved and your character has been tried. It's a proof. It's a specimen of tried worth. It's evidence. It's evidence that the tribulation worked endurance and gave you stability in your faith. Dang. That's your certificate. You see, there's not a bunch of steps here. There's not a bunch of steps. This is a process. It's like a three or four, four step process. You've accepted Jesus. You believe in his work. Now you're saved, but God is going to exercise that faith until he knows that you've been proven and there's a certificate of trust. Now he says, I can come in and have relationship with you and you can have relationship with me in a pure, unadulterated way without shadow people lying and messing things up through unbelief and doubt, rejection and fear. Knowing that tribulation results in endurance and endurance results in approved, tried character. <laughs> Verse four. That's what it results in. Are you serious? It results in approved, tried character. It, basically, you have a certificate of approval. You have evidence that I've been through this. Oh, have you been through trials? Have, have you endured? Yeah, I got, here it is. Here's the evidence. Let me in. Here's proof that I have accepted the acquittal 110%, not wavering. And guess what? And experience is what the King James Version translates as. Don't ask me why. And patience results in Approved, tried character, a proof, and a proved, tried character, and a proof, a specimen of tried worth, results in hope, an expectation of good, an expectation that you stand before the judge and you're not appointed to wrath. And not only that, you boast that you have faith in Christ. And he goes, well done, my good and faithful warrior. Enter into the kingdom of God. And he has relationship with you, and you have relationship with him, being unhindered and uncluttered by demonic shadow people. Because you've been approved by certificate. Now the shadow people are going to do everything in their power to take this away from you. The shadow people, your defragmented soul is going to say everything they get. Oh, that doesn't. But every time they say something, you have to ask yourself, is that giving me a certificate of proof? Or am I succumbing to those doubts and lies? Overcome them. 
The angel asked John, Who are these clothed in white robes with palm branches, singing joyously unto the Lord and worshiping? Who are they? John says, I don't know. You know. Tell me. And the angel says, These are they who have overcome. And they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They overcame. They have certificates of faith. They proved themselves in the trials. And so all that leads to hope. Ex expectation of eternal salvation. Can you see why the demons do not want you to get to this point? It's totally understandable how they want you to stop right at the end of verse uh, 2 and go, I should be glorious to stand in grace and everything's good. And they definitely don't want you to go to verse 3. That's probably don't. That's why you don't hear it probably preached, right, in church. They definitely want you to go to verse 3 and understand that the tribulations are part of working endurance and stability and then giving you a certificate of that stability, which then gives you boldness to say, I have eternal life. They don't want to get to that point because now you have a relationship with God down here all the time. And you come and you do bad things to their kingdom. You destroy the works of the devil, just like Jesus did. That's how that's, how that's done. And in verse 5, it says, And hope, right, our expectation of eternal life, makes, right, it makes not ashamed. We're not ashamed. We're not confounded. We're not dishonored. We're not disgraced. We're not blushing. We're not put to shame. We're not, we're not suffering repulse. We're not suffering rejection. We're not suffering fear. What casts out fear is that perfect love of God. We, there's no fear. There's no shame. There's nothing here because of our hope of eternal life, our expectation of it. Why? Because we have a certificate that we've been proven <laughs> through trials that our faith is enduring. And we know that we know that we know because we know we know no matter what the shadow people told us and the waves are lapping around us, we know that we know that we know that we know. And we're not going to hear Jesus says, why did you doubt? We're not going to hear that. Why would you doubt? And hope maketh not ashamed. You know why? Paul says in verse 5, because the love of God, the agape of love, not only your love for him, his love for you, God's love, because the love of God, God's love is shed abroad. In other words, it's a water fountain. It is a flood. It's living waters shed abroad in our hearts. And the word here, heart, is where we get our word heart. But what it means is feelings, thoughts, our mind. That's where the shadow people want to reside. That's, this is what kicks them totally out. Your fragmented soul then comes together. The trauma is then healed so their little bacteria cannot grow in an open wound. It's healed. And God's love, his love for you is like a, a damn busted open in your feelings. 
and in your thoughts and in your mind. And you want to get to verse 5. You want to get to this point. Want verse 1, verse 2, and verse 5. This is where we all want to be. And we get there by going through verse 3 and 4. The process. By having our faith proven. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, our feelings, our minds, emotions. By... The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. Hello. So now what this is saying is that the Spirit, God's Spirit resides in our spirit. We're saved. But these shadow people, these demons, these defragmented soulish natures that we have reside in our human soulish nature and in our bodies causing disease and distress and persecutions and all this stuff because we're in this world and we're born into the filth of it through Adam but when we get to the point that our expectation of eternal life we have no shame because God's love is like a raging ocean in our hearts which is our minds see we're not we're not double-minded anymore we're focused what are we focused on our hope we're not ashamed we have we have, we have eternal life we're going to stand before the judge boldly knowing that we're not going to get wrath because we've exercised our faith hey i got my certificate i've been through hell and back it's in our hearts, our minds, and our feelings. Our feelings. Not demonic feelings anymore. And that's done through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. It's in you already. And that is the end. We're going to stop there. Because we can keep going. Verse 6. Verse six because now Paul just starts, starts talking about when we were weak. You know, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we were strong and we already had great faith and we already had to, he died for when we were weak. And who, who, no one dies for, any, for anybody who's good, let alone somebody who's really, you know, halfway good and no one dies for someone who's evil. But Messiah did. And so then Paul starts breaking down what Christ did for us and that's the faith. It's already done. We're justified or acquitted by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. I was going to stop, but, but just look at some of this other stuff here. In verse 8, But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, we were just, we had offenses. We are going before the judge to get the sentence, the wrath. While we were in that state, our Messiah died for those offenses. That is what has been done. That's what we solidly, without wavering, no matter what or who or what thing tells us differently, that's the fact. And in verse 9, Paul says, much more than being now acquitted by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him 
That's our hope and that's our boldness. Saved. Saved, made whole, heal, keep safe, sound, rescue from danger or destruction, from wrath, from the judgment that we all deserve were born into God's wrath. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, when he, when he resurrected, we're acquitted. <clears throat> but not only that, Paul says again, but not only that, I got more. It's like a Ginsu knife. If you buy this, there's more. But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. A reconciliation. We've been atoned. That is a fact. And then he goes on, he talks about the, the Adam, how sin entered to the world and death and all this stuff and how by one man, Jesus Christ, we got acquitted. And he goes on and he explains all this stuff. And then he talks about, you know, having that, should we continue in sin then? You know, he says, God forbid, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes on to the rest of it's really good. But for this teaching right here is we have to, we're going to have to go through tribulations. We, just, we, have, we all do. At any given time, that tests out our endurance of our faith. We're justified by faith. There, there are some blessed effects of being acquitted. We're not acquitted by faith. Once again, we're acquitted by our Messiah. We unlock the acquittal through our faith. That's what's being attacked. That's, that's how the attack goes to a, uh, a Bible-believing Christian who has exercised their faith and belief. And they, they, they know Christ died for them. They have no problem saying that. Well, I know Jesus died for me. I know he did that. I know he, he did that. They don't, so Satan can't steal that seed. Like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. You know, Christ was just a historical figure. You know, he, Satan can't do that because they know they know. But what he can do is dilute the relationship through doubt, which then stems from fear and rejection, which cause trauma and cause those two parts of the soul, the personality, to overshadow the real person. So in this, in the trials and tribulation, it works our endurance and our stability. We overcome the shadow people through solid, unwavering, I know that I know faith. Not proving God, God, if you love me, you'll do this. God, if you if you love me, you'll get rid of these trials. God, if you love me, you'll these shadow people won't talk to me. God, why don't you love me? Maybe oh, he does love me. I can't say that. Maybe it's me. Maybe I need to devote more time to prayer. God, I'll pray more if you get rid of the shadow people. God, I'll go to church more if you get God, I'll do this, I'll do that. I must have did something wrong. Both are wrong. But because they stem out of fear and rejection. One's proving God, his love, it's already been done, nothing to prove. And one is you trying to obtain an acquittal that you can't because it's only done by believing it's already been done. So it's stinking thinking, once again, caused by fragmentation of the soul through trauma. And we, right now in the name of Jesus, we bring 
the soul, the fragmented soul pieces back together. In the name of Jesus, we claim and declare and proclaim healing on the trauma that caused the fragmented soul and the splitting of personalities. The mind control that occurs through the trauma, we bind mind control spirits right now and we bind the soulish nature and we yield to the spirit of Messiah that lives within us that cries, Abba, Father, we have hope and glory in you and our faith is made stronger through these trials and that I glory in. And thank you for, because I'm just going to become stronger and the shadow people and the defragmented souls and those lies and the blasphemy and the proving of God will decrease until it's destroyed. And flowing love of God will abound in me. I stand in grace and peace. In the name of Jesus, Lord, please gather the fragmented souls. Gather that that has been scattered through trauma. Real or perceived trauma. Doesn't matter. Trauma is trauma. Gather the soul back. Put it back together and heal it and make it new. Not glued over, but new. Create a new person a new man that is much stronger than these weak shadow figures that have attached to our soulish nature and have lied to us for so long and we overcome them we overcome them by our will and through the testimony of what christ has done through us and through the blood of the lamb which has already been done and we overcome the devil through the blood of the lamb and the word the rima the the bar of our testimony we're going to drink coffee we're drinking coffee we have drunk coffee that's the end result it is what it is we get there through the trials and tribulations but we are going to be victorious and overcomers it's just the fact. That's what's going to happen because we accept no defeat. No defeat. I declare this to be so and true in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And that's the end. Yeah.
stage man. 